You're listening to the Uncensored Direct Marketing Show. This show is designed for direct response marketers who want raw, unfiltered conversion tips and secrets to scale their offers profitably to reach their next million. I'm Maria Sparagas. I'm the founder of Direct Paynet and your host. Now let's dive in. So welcome today, everybody, uh, to another episode of Uncensored Direct Marketing. Today, I have a very special guest with us. We're going to be talking about email marketing and growing a list and everything email with Troy Erickson. Uh, so Troy and I met through Copy Accelerator a couple of years back, I guess, and uh, I've destroyed Troy with so many questions about emails and growing lists and B2B emails and all this stuff that I figured I'd have Troy on the show uh, so we can hash out all these burning questions that I have and provide as much value as possible to everybody listening. So Troy, welcome. Thank you so much for appearing on the show. Um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, Lead Paramedic and, and you know what you've been doing the last couple of years with email? Yeah, thank you, Maria. I think this is really cool too, how we're just kind of like moving our conversation and your questions to a public <laughs> setting. But basically, um, long story short, Lead Paramedic came from this idea I had about reviving dead leads, right? So um, that's a problem that a lot of business owners have. They have a lot of leads on their list or in their business in general that they don't know how to tap into them. Um, and I've kind of rebranded as email paramedic. I've got a couple of different routes I, I go with it, but that's how it came to be because a lot of um, my clients back when I was running Facebook ads originally, um, a lot of my clients weren't happy because they weren't getting results from their email list. And I saw this rising tide of Facebook marketers. And there were so many of them. And I was like, there are so many people getting into this that I have to get out. Um, and copywriting was not as sexy back then. It's getting a little steam now, but I jumped into email copy before it was cool. Uh, well, <laughs> not like before is cool at all because there's people who have been doing this way longer, but um, email list management, email copy, reviving dead leads. I jumped into it at a time like before a whole tidal wave of people came into it. Um, and I've really found my home in reviving dead email lists. So hence email paramedic and lead paramedic. Awesome. So, I mean, I do, um, I do agree with you ever since we met uh, a couple of years back, I have been hearing a steady stream of people getting into, oh, I'm an email copywriter. I never heard of that before. I don't know if it's like, it's like if you have a car, like I got a white car and then all of a sudden I started noticing all these white cars everywhere. I don't know if it's because I met you and I was in the space with other email copywriters that I started noticing more, but it does feel like in the last year or so, it's like, People are identifying themselves not just as copywriters, as email copywriters, which is pretty interesting. Um, so I'm curious about that, actually, though. Uh, before I jump into my regular business questions, what's, a, what's the difference between an email copywriter and a regular copywriter, in your opinion? Sure. So I've actually kind of branded myself around the idea of like email list management, right? So like a regular copywriter is just somebody who can write any type of copy. Um, so whether that's for ads uh, or in the most simplest form, a blog. Uh, but for most of the time, it's like sales copy, landing pages, sales letters, things like that, uh, video sales letters. And then email copy, of course, is its own whole different animal. So instead of um, just trying to be a copywriter or an email copywriter in general, I kind of teach a lot of my students in one of my programs how to go from an email copywriter to an email list manager, because I feel like that's even mm -hmm. the next step. Because if you're just writing emails and sending out Google Docs, you're somewhat replaceable um, and you're not really seen as a strategist by your clients. But um, when you can manage the list, you're literally inside the business and you are operating the heart of the business uh, with the email list. So 
I think that's probably one of the main differences for people to be aware of. If you're a freelancer or if you're a business owner, just kind of realizing like, hey, um, having somebody manage my email list professionally, whoever it might be, uh, is probably a, a really good idea because they can bounce a lot of ideas um, off of you, not just with email, but with all the parts around it. And I've had some clients that have some amazing results, like literally 5Xing, people who are already doing six figures a month um, just from some strategy that we implemented around the emails in addition to the emails themselves. Wow, that's awesome. Well, I mean, I, I definitely agree that having, I've had some people write some emails for us where they they just sent me a Google Doc and said, here you go. And I'm like, oh God, now I have to put this in somewhere and what the hell do I have to do and create a... So I'm actually in that situation where... I, I decided for for the comp for direct paynet to create like an email nurturing well not an email nurturing a lead nurturing uh, list, like I was telling you before, where they go on our website, they fill out the form, and then there's like a, an automation that starts. So we signed up for Active Campaign, um, logged in. I thought I was going to press a couple of buttons and like, okay, we're good. Um, I told the developer, put an Active Campaign form on the website, let's go. And and I was like, oh my God. And I signed up for this in January. We're in May. Um, and through going through all the automations, and then we had an integration to like a, an e signature platform for our contracts and stuff what a freaking mess. It was a disaster. I actually ended up like within a couple of weeks realizing like, this is definitely not my wheelhouse. I cannot do this. And I hired um, somebody who's specifically creating all the automations. And then he's going to start the, like the email list once we're kind of, we're almost at the tail end of, of the automation part. Um, but I realized that, you know, kind of long winded answer or comment to your, to your feedback is that to me as a business owner, the value is in the person who's doing the automations. Like obviously there's value in the email copy, but finding an email copywriter is a lot easier than finding somebody who can create all my automations, understand my business process and really, you know, hone in on how everything works in the back end. So, um, I, I have, uh, it's like, like, I hear you irreplaceable. It's, It's sometimes, uh, sometimes business owners only look at it in one way. They're like, Hey, I don't know how to do this. I need somebody who can save me the time, um, and just take this off my plate. But I also want to point out that when you have somebody managing your list for you, they don't just set it up. They actually find a lot of money that you're missing out on. So for example, one of my favorite things to do Mm -hmm. is to go into automations and touch them up. So a very simple example would be, uh, somebody has an abandoned cart email. Well, I make it abandoned cart emails. So like instead of one or two, it turns into three to five, or in some cases like seven, if they go into a particular series. Okay. Some people don't have browse abandonment. Some people don't have like some kind of re-engagement strategy. Some people don't have tracking set up to know when people are engaged. Oh, and, wow. Uh, how they should be using list hygiene properly. Um, another thing too is anytime for one of my clients, anytime somebody clicks to a certain product or offer or calendar for the first time, and they don't book or take the action that we want them to take, they get a follow-up email about it that answers a lot of their objections. So all these ways to like find money on your list are literally just patching holes with emails. Um, and that's where the strategy comes into play, where you have somebody really intelligent managing your list, and they're literally finding money for you um, all the time. And these emails, once they send them up, they're automated. So you know that you're not missing out on anything when you've got somebody really smart managing your list. Yeah, I mean, the the thing is with email list management is you don't know what you don't know. That's how I see it, is that once you get somebody to do it and you start seeing the value, it's hard for people to qualify paying somebody to send a couple of emails. But then, like I said, as for me, is 
after I got into it, I was like, holy shit, this is insane. This is intense stuff. Like, whereas at first, before I got into it, it was like, oh yeah, I'll just throw in a couple of emails and that'll be it. So I do see, I definitely agree with you. There's so much value there and there's so many things that you can do and how to communicate with people and how to make things work better. And at least for me, we've, uh, we've, um, automated one process of one part of the business and it's taken away like so much just like back and forth work. Um, just because it's all getting done automatically and people are responding. So um, now that we're talking about technology, just curious, I know there's active campaign, Clavio, and all these different ones. Like, is there one that you favor and like why? Sure. So I use active campaign personally. Um, and the reason for that is a lot of those things that I was just talking about. I feel okay. like their automations are the most advanced by far. Uh, when it comes to sending emails and different things and hooking up with Zapier, like it's so well integrated that you can pretty much send anything to anyone based on any action they take at any time of the day. That's why I love it personally. Okay. Um, so there's a lot of cool things you can do. Um, if you're on e-com, like obviously Clavio is a wonderful thing to have because they kind of have a similar setup to Active Campaign, but it's uh, more catered to Shopify. So like when people take specific actions on Shopify, you can trigger emails, so on and so forth. Okay. Um, another thing to keep in mind too, is if you do a lot of affiliate stuff, I would say Entreport is probably a very good ESP as well, because they allow affiliate stuff and they have a lot of the functionality um, of the other two that I just mentioned. But I would say those three are my favorites. Okay. And do you find that the software impacts deliverability? Um, it's a... <laughs> Not quite. I mean, with the exception of MailChimp, right? Like none of us like- Everybody shits on MailChimp. They're like, except for MailChimp, MailChimp. So, so that's why I'm asking that, that question. Yeah, the reason for that is simply because MailChimp has a lot of people on it for free. Um, and generally, if you're doing this for free and you're brand new, you don't know what you're doing. So you can actually like wreck your own deliverability yeah. and the deliverability of everybody on that same IP address that MailChimp okay. uses. Um, so that can create some issues and you can go to spam more often, go to the promo tab more often, stuff like that. But okay. in general, um, I never want to use the ESP as a, as a crutch to lean on and say it's their fault. Um, okay. My friend, uh, Jan Masanowski, he actually had a really funny analogy one time. He said, changing ESPs and expecting different results is much like changing gyms and expecting different results. Oh, good one. Yeah, and that's true. <laughs> but um yeah, at the end of the day, it's more about your list hygiene um, and not sending to people who haven't opened in a long time okay. uh, and just staying out of spam, staying out of the promo tab, writing good emails um, that get opened. Because at the end of the day, it's like all Google and all the other inboxes look at is like, how many people open your emails? Like what yeah. percent? If it's 15% or higher, you're probably going to be fine. Um, but if they see people aren't opening your emails, they're going to assume that people don't want to read your emails and then they put you in the spam. So people won't be bugged by your emails. Okay. So now talking about, you know, uh, people opening your emails and you you mentioned Gmail, you know, there's Gmail, Yahoo, Hotmail, I guess are the, the biggest. Do you find that a certain email, um, let's say you send it to Gmail, it will get X amount of open rates and whereas Yahoo would get lower or higher, like do you find the different ones, the different services give you different results or is it usually pretty standard? Sure. So it's really, really difficult to get into Hotmail Outlook boxes these days. Okay. Um, Yahoo is not bad. And then Gmail is one of the most people care about. I think I saw recently it was like 
43% of people are on Gmail, which is wow. crazy. Um, and that's not just gmail.com. That's all the people with custom domains. Like my domain, leadparamedic.com. Actually, all the domains I have are on G Suite. So that counts as yeah. Gmail. Um, but yeah, it, it's super, super important. And uh, Gmail is one of the most people care about. I, I would say it's the easiest to inbox in in general, but obviously they have their promo tab now. So it's yeah. uh, more difficult than it used to be for sure. But uh, Hotmail is definitely the worst when it comes to this. And you have to segment very, very harshly. Okay. So when you say promo tab versus spam, do you have like an open rate for your promo promo tab? Like how many people, I don't know if I'm answer, asking this correctly, but if your email lands in promo tab, can you get stats or can you get different information um, showing you how many people open from the promo tab versus the main inbox? Yeah, so just looking at data in general. Um, yeah, you could use a service like Glock Apps if you want to test and see like what percentage of inboxes you hit with a particular email. And it'll tell you like, okay. you know, on our most like aged Gmail accounts, you hit this inbox or, you know, on our new Gmail account where we open all the emails as opposed to the one where we don't, you hit this many inboxes or promo or spam or whatever. So mm -hmm. um, everybody listening can kind of use Glock Apps on their own to kind of test and see where they're at. But in general, this is what I see. And I work with a lot of people to fix deliverability problems. And I find that my average client that comes to me has about 80,000 to 250,000 active subscribers on their list. Wow. So when that's the case, um, if they are in the main inbox, about 18 to 22% on a lot of the lists that I manage or have worked on. Um, some people may be just in the upper team if I'm helping them out one time and not managing for them. But obviously upper teens, great. Yeah. One is amazing. But if you're in the promo tab, generally seven to 13%. So in some cases, it's literally half of what it is in the primary tip. Okay. Um, and then the spam box can be a wide variety of numbers, but generally it's anything that's single digits mm. um, because sometimes you can go to spam for some people and not for other people. Same thing with the promo tab, but it's a little more consistent with that. Whereas with spam, it's kind of like on and off, but uh yeah, I mean, you could potentially have only one third of your audience who used to open your emails now opening your emails if you're having deliverability problems. So it's a major, major thing that a lot of people, frankly, overlook and they don't know how to test or anything like that. Well, I mean, to me, uh, you know, landing in my promo tab, you're not getting read. So if you know, this is obviously anecdotal, but, you know, I feel like it's the same kind of thing. Like we all pay less attention to things that are not in our primary inbox. So I do I do have some questions about like, you know, fostering a list, you know, uh, gaining more emails for your list and all that. So like, let's start at the start uh, at the beginning of the topic is, you know, I'm starting out, let's say, for example, a health store or, you know, something in direct response. Um, and I want to start my list. How do I start my list? Give me like a couple of like really quick big hitters. Sure. So obviously there's a million different ways you could get started. And a lot of people will get caught up on that. They say, what's the best one? I'm like, hey, you just have to pick one and go with it. And it'll work for you because okay. a lot of the ways work. Um, but the first thing that, you know, I did when I started out and I was like, Hey, I kind of want to start my own list and send emails about email. Um, and at first, like, and maybe some of this is more like qualitative and, um, I'll get to more tactical stuff here in a second. But the first thing is like, Hey, it's completely okay to have a list. Cause at first I was like having super imposter syndrome and it was like, I'm a kid and 
there's people who have sold like hundreds of millions of dollars worth of stuff and I've not sold that much. And should I even start one? Um, yes, you should, because it turns into something amazing and you don't, you can't possibly start going down that amazing path until you actually send an email. So just do it. Um, now for anybody who's got more of like a, a product and they're like, not having any mental blocks around being a coach or whatnot. Um, the first thing is just open up an ESP. So I like active campaign. If you're doing e-com, probably do Clavio. Um, just open it up and start out with your most basic automations, right? So like what kind of email are you going to send to somebody when they buy something from you? What kind of email are you going to send to somebody when they abandon cart? And just get the basics built out. Like, don't stress over the super fine, nitty gritty details. Just get started, get something in there. Um, and then the next most important thing, which kind of applies no matter what your business is, is just honestly pester some of your friends so you have somebody to write to. Uh, because that's what keeps you motivated to write and gets you actual feedback when you're sending to a real human instead of just like practice writing on yeah. yourself. Um, so pester some friends, uh, <laughs> I did a lot of that at the beginning back when like hardly anybody knew who I was. And, um, it, it was kind of funny, but a lot of those people are still on there now. And, uh, it, we chat about it sometimes how, how new I was, but, um, yeah, just get some practice writing. And then at that point, it kind of just goes into general marketing principles, right? So like, how are you going to build a list? Well, the most obvious way that a lot of people don't want to hear is paid advertising. And the reason they don't want to hear it is because it's got the word paid in it. Yes. Um, but that's the most consistent way, right? And we could sit here and talk about offers and what makes a good offer and, you know, something simple, specific, answers a pain point uh, in a certain amount of time, has credibility, scarcity, all these things we can talk about. Um, I think that's a whole nother conversation, but just having a great offer to add people to your list, um, you know, whether it's buyers only, or maybe you've got opt-ins. There's so many different things that can work, but just pick something, uh, you know, talk to myself, talk to Maria, talk to somebody who's, you know, doing well um, and, and has set up like successful online businesses before and find a strategy that works for you. Yeah. Um, and then on the free side, since a lot of people like to mention that too, like podcasts are a great way to get in front of people and get your name out there. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, my friend Austin Dixon, actually, like, uh, so for myself, it's obvious, right? Like I'm a coach of sorts. So it's like the benefit of me being on a podcast is directly obvious. But yeah. for Austin, he has an offer in the hair loss space. So he helps you regrow your hair. Now, he actually used this really, really crazy thing where he um, runs traffic to a podcast that he was on and it converts like crazy. So you oh, never wow. know. Um, and I don't want to like give away too many details or anything. Maybe he could be on here at one point, but I'll let him do the talking. Um, podcasts are amazing. Um, there are other like free ways to get reach as well. Um, there, you can like get articles these days about a product or a service um, or, you know, yourself as a coach. Yeah. Um, you can just honestly connect with people, you know, and just say like, Hey, what's going on? Um, and have a, a conversation like we are, we're just taking a private conversation and making it public and and people kind of, are interested in listening yeah no that's, yeah. that's there's the, the, i mean i think the case in point here is um just get started and you know if you have a small budget use it to try to collect some you know paid ads through 
Would you say when you when you're doing like a paid ad strategy, you know, like we're not talking about huge budgets here. Let's say you have a thousand bucks, you know, okay, you know, just you're just starting out, you want to throw a thousand dollars at something. Would you say split it over a couple of platforms? Like what budget's too small in your opinion? And this is just for email list creation. Like I'm not talking about selling anything, just getting people on your list. Like how would you say, would you put a thousand dollars on Facebook or 500 on Facebook, 500 on LinkedIn? Or or like, what would you do just anecdotally for your business? So uh, one thing I've learned a lot lately from launching my own offers is that you want to get one traffic source dialed in first before you move on to other ones. Otherwise- And a lot more time and money on each of them, which in turn is a catch 22, because when you do that, it pulls away from the other one. And then the whole business is a kind of a crapshoot from there and you have to reevaluate things. But I would say as far as picking a platform, you just have to kind of think about which platform is right for you. Um, And aside from paid advertising, like, for example, I tried this thing on Instagram for a while where I could like try to find people who are interested in writing email copy and like do some lifestyle stuff. And it was the worst idea. ever. <laughs> um, and maybe that can change over time as I get more and more into coaching right now, I'm still focused on B2B. Maybe yeah. that'll change. I don't know. I also threw some money at TikTok just to try and like, if something goes viral, whatever, and my team does a great job on that, but it's kind of, a, you know, not great for me. Uh, for me, like having a personal Facebook profile where I just like post in groups and just connect with people in a very genuine nature. And I'm not trying to be salesy. Uh, that is the best thing I've ever done. It's better than any paid advertising I've ever done. Um, the second best thing I've done is Facebook ads. Now, granted, it's getting a little bit harder. I'm restricted yes. already. There's ways around that. Hopefully Zuck isn't listening, but um, <laughs> at the end of the day, it's like Facebook ads are very hard to beat. Um, a lot of people do well on YouTube. I have a lot of clients who do well on YouTube. I manage their list, but I haven't figured out YouTube for myself. Okay. So I want to make sure I manage Facebook first. And then once I get that, I'll hop into YouTube. But uh, Facebook for me is just, I've had so much success there. So I'm going to double down on it. I do feel like email is just an important medium to to kind of talk one-on-one. Because for me, I'm not doing anything to get the emails. Like people are coming to me through like they're reading my blog or they're seeing me on my podcast and they're just wanting to subscribe. So it's like, it's almost like waste not to, to reach out to them on a personal level. Um, but I am curious, you know, going back to my questions here is B2B versus B2C. And I know this is not everybody's situation, but I know there are like in my personal experience, whenever I subscribe to a list for like another company, like trying to sell me something or like a product that I bought, it's so shit. It's literally the crappiest email, these stupid image emails, like, Hey, do you want a discount? Click here. Nothing, nothing at all. So I'm always wondering, like, I'm sure it can be done better. Like, especially for the the B2B, like bringing a B2C feel to B2B or, or vice versa. Like what, what are your thoughts on just these two types of lists? Yeah, sure. So I guess I'll start off with B2C because that's more of the, the traditional route um, is that you've got like five big areas, right? And four of them are, you know, from Stefan Georgia and Justin Goff. And then I kind of like added a fifth one, right? So like first one is going to be curiosity, like obviously like super relevant, like like cool, new, curious things. Um, anytime that that concept surfaces surfaces itself in an email, people are going to be interested because it sounds new and exciting. Yeah. Um, next thing is emotional stories, right? So maybe I'm telling a testimonial or maybe I'm telling a, a story about something like really bad that happened to me. And then I found this like one weird solution. The next 
thing is like current events, right? So like what's going on in the world right now, or at least in my audience's world, it's relevant to them. And there's contradiction as well. So like, what is everybody else talking about um, that I should take the opposite stance on because it'll garner a lot of attention. And then I always like personal emails too. So like, for example, when you make the subject line look like it was sent directly from me to you, um, and then of course the email has to pay off in that way and kind of present like a new opportunity to somebody. So there's all kinds of ways to do this without presenting like discounts. Like I have a lot of clients that we hardly ever send discounts and the sales are amazing. And we just tell stories all day long that are from their current and previous customers. Uh, or we tell like things that we find on Reddit, like interesting, like topics that are kind of going on in the life of a 50 plus year old woman. Cause that's who that list is for. Like, I don't know anything about that lifestyle, but like I do my research and I learn about these people and I find out what they're talking about that doesn't have to do with supplements. And I talk about it. And sometimes in the PS, I'll be like, oh, by the way, like here's the link for the supplement. People will buy it because they just love the emails. Yeah. Um, so stuff like that. Now, B2B is kind of interesting because everybody thinks it needs to be more formal just because we're talking to business owners instead of Karen, who's sitting at home with her dog in her lap. Yeah. But really, it's not as different. I mean, in some ways, yeah, we can be more direct um, in certain emails. So for you, when you start your list, there's a couple of things you could do. You take the Dean Jackson nine word email approach and be like, Hey, first name, are you still looking to get a new payment processor? Reply and let me know. You'll probably close several hey. business literally just from that. Like I've wow. had times where I sent out an email that said, the subject line was spam. It said, do your emails ever go to spam? Reply and let me know. And there was a nine figure CEO on my email list who replied to the email and I closed him. I had no idea he was on my list. Wow. Um, I still need to ask him if I can like say this publicly. <laughs> you didn't say his name, so you're good. You're good. <laughs> um, but yeah, stuff like that. And um, the other thing to keep in mind too is sure, you can kind of be straightforward and direct with a lot of things. But um, I was recently at Stefan's talk in Austin at Internet Marketing Party. Oh, nice. And he had this really, really good section of it about how a lot of B2B businesses um, can actually tap into the same principles of like emotion in the, you know, B2C emails like we talked about. So yeah. uh, for example, he said like, what about restaurants? Restaurants are just like, hey, here's a discount, like come in today. Well, yeah. that's boring. He gave an example of a restaurant where it was it was a woman run restaurant. And the like first line of the email was like, you could never be a chef because you're a woman. And then it said, that's what my family always told me. And then it went on on the story about like how she oh. overcame the odds and like started this restaurant and like people, rally around that because they're like, wow, that's amazing. Like somebody who was counted out and then they made it big. Um, or you could tell like a funny story about something that happened in the restaurant, or you could literally do any number of things. Like I just, all I do personally is I pull out my phone and I have a notes section Whenever something weird happens to me. That's like at least somewhat relevant to my list. I make a note um, yeah. and then I can send it out. And then people will never be bored. People are not going to like think it's dumb and it's, it's just a really interesting list of things that kind of cross over life and business, which I find is the best thing you can do because again, you're talking to humans. It doesn't matter if they're regular consumers or if they're also business owners. Like that's just, that's probably the best piece of advice I could give to everybody. Oh, and, and, and you know, what's funny because uh, I was just talking to, uh, to my assistant, she's sitting right here and we were talking about, um, we were talking about, 
you know, when, when a lead becomes cold, meaning like, you know, we're messaging them and they're like, Hey, you know, you're still, you know, do you have any questions on this? Blah, blah, blah. And then we were like, okay, what's the next email? And the next email, I was like, just say, are you still looking for a merchant account? Yeah. Another Done. thing like it's you, you're asking a yes or no question. So a lot of people just be like, no, or yes. And then we'll move on. You know what I mean? But at least it's very targeted. Yeah. A lot of people forget that dialogue is important and it's like, we're not always trying to get people to click links and buy things. Like sometimes we want them to reply because a lot yeah. of other business owners forget that's the thing. So when we do it, it's different. Um, and then as you're, you know, going back and forth with people, another strategy um, that works really, really well is like, if they quit replying, for example, you're just like, you just email them back and be like, Hey, I thought of one other thing that can really help you. Uh, would, do you want to hear it? Uh, and maybe give like a couple of specifics and then that incentivizes the person to reply and then you just tell them a couple extra things you can do for them and you save the conversation, hopefully answer some objections they might have. Um, and you can close people over email or at least set up a call. So there's a lot of ways you can do it, but yeah, replies are a wonderful way um, yeah. that most people don't do. Yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 the, the lesson here is for everybody listening is like, think of you as a human being and talk to the, to people like a human being. Like I get a lot of B2B emails uh, and they're always like giving me just a discount to something. Sometimes I don't even know what it is. Uh, my name's not in there. I have no idea what they're selling. So it's, it's, it's difficult to get behind something that just seems so random. You're like, well, I don't, I don't even know what this is. Forget it. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's some interesting tips. And to me, what it sounds like is B2B and B2C is pretty much the same type of, you know, you're still talking to people, use similar strategies. Don't just, uh, you know, say, oh, well, this is for a business owner. Well, that business owner is Maria, who also is a person who has a family, who has this, who has that. So, you know, you have to keep that in mind. So thank you for, thank you for indulging me in that, that conversation. Another thing too that's cool is that um, I feel like it's very simple too. Like if you start sending out emails and you come to find out that like people aren't engaging the way you thought they would, then you can just send them another reply email and say like, Hey, what's your number one question about payment processing or payment processors or whatever it might be. And people's answers will tell you what they want to hear about. And then you just write your future emails based on what they told you, because then you know for a fact what they want to hear because you just asked them. It's no different than having a conversation. Oh. If I have a if I have no idea what to talk to you about, Maria, I'm just going to ask you like, Hey, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> and then we'll talk about it. Um, and usually if people don't respond, it's either they don't understand what they're getting into or they can't trust you slash relate to you. It's, yeah. it's generally those two things right there. Um, so if you're not hitting the nail on the head, you just ask them the question that, that's like relevant to your business. And hopefully you'll get some replies that'll tell you what to talk about. We're getting into this whole B2B and B2C. Listen, we could talk about this forever. I do have like some, some pressing questions here, burning questions. And one of them is because we talked about deliverability rates, but we I want to like really dig in to like Troy's tips on getting out of the promo tab specifically, getting out of spam. Like what are like tried, tested and true. This is going to help you get from 12% to 18% open rates. Sure. So. Um, kind of a 50,000 foot view, let's say worst case scenario, you're in spam. And there's a lot of complication to this on a technical level that if you have like a big problem, just ask me. I'm sure my info will be at the end of this, but at a, at a very basic level, it's simple. So all you need to do is get your emails opened. So there's a couple of ways to do that. If you're in spam, it's very difficult to do the, like 
the way where it's like writing good copy, blah, 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 so on and so forth. Yeah. You're already in spam. So the only other option to improve your open rates is to cut people off of your list. Now, again, that's going to be temporary. And some of the people won't come back, but some will. But you absolutely have to get your open rates above 15%, ideally 20%. So cut off as many people as you need to. And if you do that for about two to four weeks and you kind of look through your emails and think like, hmm, is there something to kind of spam me in the subject line here or the from name or the link text? Or maybe if you said something like super spammy in the body copy, that could trigger spam as well. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just cutting people off the list and setting them off to the side. Um, and then later after the problem solved, it generally takes two to four weeks, sometimes longer. Okay. And you can send out a re-engagement email like we talked about earlier, like, hey, are you still interested in blah, blah, blah. Um, and you can get people back on that list. Um, so there's a lot of stuff to it. But at the end of the day, you need to suppress people who haven't opened an email in roughly like 90 days, 60 days. It kind of fluctuates. As long as your open rates are above 20% in that situation, whatever day mark is right, that makes 20%, go okay. with that one. Um, now, the promo tab. I'm very passionate about this one. <laughs> um, uh, most people probably know I have an offer around this where it basically prevents you from doing this the hard way. Um, so the hard way is you set up a couple of like Gmail test accounts, essentially, um, and you send an email and you just see where it goes. If it goes to the promo tab, then you know there's something like really promotional in your email. So you can try modifying like the from name and then send it again. You can try modifying the subject line to something very vanilla, like the word test even, um, yeah. and see if that works. And you can try modifying the link text, see if that works. And then after that, you kind of have to just test the rest of the email. And it, like you can do it. It just takes 30 to 60 minutes per email, depending on your domain reputation. Uh, but then I found another way, essentially, it's adding one thing to the email that Google wants to see. I used to call this a code, but I'm reworking it because it's not really code anymore. And that word kind of sketches people out. Um, so it is completely compliant. And all you're doing is adding one thing to the email and it's completely relevant to your business. And I basically create that custom block for people and then they just have to paste it into the bottom of their email um, and it will go to the primary tab over oh. 90% of the time generally. So nice. I shortcutted it. Um, and there's nothing that Google can really do to stop it because it's completely compliant. Like there's nothing, it's not like old school, like SEO tricks and things that people use. Like it's not what it is. Okay. So, um, it's really, really interesting. And, um, if anybody wants to hear about that, it's at emailparamedic.com. Um, it's the fast way out of the promo tab. And again, open rates in the promo tab for my clients that are like four, uh, 80,000 to 250,000 list size are generally seven to 13%. And when they make it to the primary tab, they're about 18 to 22. Nice. So in some cases, people literally double their open rates and revenue. Um, so if you're going to the promo tab, you're literally like just donating money to Google, <laughs> just burning it, whatever you want. We don't need it. to be, we don't need to be donating any more money to Google, but we'll definitely have uh, all your contact information and all the, the links that you're talking about in the show notes. So everybody listening, you can just go to the show notes and um, you can reach out directly to Troy or go um, to his website and, and get all that information. But I know that a lot, you know, time is money. And obviously if you're starting out um, and there's no harm, you know, wherever you're at in life or your business, it's like, if you have, if you have no money, like I've been there, uh, you know, year one of the business, $17,000, I didn't have 500 bucks to give somebody. So, uh, you know, at least Troy's giving us a, a roadmap of, you know, steps that you can take. And, you know, obviously if you have no, 
money, you have some time. And then if you have, if you don't have any time, you have some money, hopefully. So you have two options here to, to get off that, that wretched, uh, promo tab, but well, that's cool. Um, in terms of like the, the sender's email address, does it matter? Like, does it matter if I'm Maria at direct painted or if I'm, um, admin at direct painted or like, do you, do you find that any of that stuff matters on the sender side? It can, um, it really depends on the situation. So I know that's not the answer people want to hear, but domain reputation basically is a, a complete summary that's built by the algorithm of how good of a sender you've been in the past. So if you have sent very like spammy emails from a certain email address, maybe try a different one, but granted, if you're going to spam, changing the email is not really going to work. You have to change domains if you wanted to go that route. But okay. in some cases it can help. But um, it's very, very dependent upon the person. This is why I always recommend reaching out and getting it solved the right way. Otherwise, you end up spending way more time and miss out on a lot of money. No, for sure. And, you know, and the thing is a lot, I find a lot of these questions like myself as a business owner and just people who I talk to, we have so many questions on email. But the one thing that I like kind of tying it back to the beginning of the episode is that you said just start. You know what I mean? Because you won't know until you know. So um, I have to take that advice myself and 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 just start. But this was super informative, uh, Troy. Like I'm, you know, you gave gold here. So guys, um, you know, send a shout out to Troy and 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 refer him any any leads that you have for people who are looking for email help because I think uh, you definitely. I mean, just on, I've seen you know, kind of partially because we didn't know each other when we first went to the first uh, Copy Accelerator show. And then I've just been hearing about you. And I'm like, man, for a young guy, like not not for a young guy, for any, because I hate when people say for this type of situation, just for anything. Like, I mean, just, you know, your stuff, regardless of age or, or any any type of situation. Like I, I I see how you answer everybody's questions and you you kind of at least do some research um, to provide some feedback, which is always awesome. I just wanted to see if you had any final thoughts or any any like, guys, you got to do this or any final, final tips for our, for our audience uh, who's listening? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. Like I have built a career. So I'm 25 currently. And again, I'm not trying to like use age as a crutch or anything, but it's like, I have advanced very quickly just by jumping into things and doing them. Um, and that maybe that's just my learning style. I'm probably biased when it comes to that. So with my biased hat on, I'll say that everybody should just jump into things and try them. And yeah. then if you can't figure something out, then ask the question. Cause it's like, there's no harm, no foul. It's like, try something. And if you have a question while you're doing it, get help. Otherwise you don't know what questions to ask. Mm -hmm. um, so on that note too, um, I also have one other thing that's completely free. That I just wanted to briefly mention, uh, if you go to leadparamedic.com slash email, I have this document that answers pretty much every possible question you could ever have mm. about email because I built it from people asking me questions about email. Um, <laughs> so if you go there, you can get it and hopefully that'll cut down the learning curve and answer a whole bunch of questions that you might have right now. Um, oh. It'll be sent right to you. That's awesome. So everybody, uh, again, the show notes, everything's going to be there. So I am, um, you know, super, super humbled that you, you're giving our audience like such an awesome information. And I, I definitely agree with you. And I, uh, and for anybody listening, kind of getting started in their path, uh, myself included, I'm, I'm way older than 25, <laughs> but uh, just starting. And when I started my business, I was also in my twenties um, and it was like, okay, well, you know, I don't know half this stuff and I'm, you know, 
alone and I don't really know. So a couple of things that I did that I found were helpful was join a couple of groups, just people exchanging ideas. You're always going to learn something from somebody. Somebody's going to give you some kind of idea, you know, where you can get something or or whatever. Um, And then secondly, you know, if you make a mistake, just own up to it. Just say, look, I, I actually don't know this, or I'm going to try to get you this information and then go from there. So, I mean, we're not, we're not relying on your age here, but it was very wise advice is just start and kind of do your best. And, um, and soon enough, if you're, if you're really, you stick to one lane, I know a lot of business owners and a lot of people who write copy are like, they're writing for health. They're writing for a biz op. They're writing for this. And it's like, you can't be good at everything. It's just not possible. You know, like I'm, I'm, when I started my business, I was, you know, merchant accounts. And I was trying to sell terminals to restaurants and to e-commerce stores and to direct response. And I was like, ah, there's just too many, you know, things. So I said, you know what, I'm just going to focus on high risk um, because that's where I provide the most value anyway. I don't, I don't really provide value to people who need terminals for restaurants. Like I don't really, whatever, you know, I'm more of a, you know, strategist call it for payments. So uh, I'm very happy that you gave us all these resources, Troy. And I'm going to have everything in the show notes for everybody listening. And thank you so much uh, for appearing on the show and for everybody listening, please subscribe, like, and share this episode with everybody who's interested in your circle. And we really appreciate your time. Have yourself a great day. Hope you found today's session valuable. If you have any questions for me or just want to connect, please feel free to visit my website, mariasparagis.com. That's M-A-R-I-A-S-P-A-R-A-G-I-S.com. I'd love to hear what you're working on. So drop me a line on any hot button issues your business is experiencing. And remember, don't worry about failure. You only have to be right once.